All right. If y'all thought the energy was stressed out last time, just wait for more. This is Queer Halftime. My name mm-hmm. is Becca Ayushide, and I'm here with the equally stressy Kelsey. I'm not that bad. My name is Kelsey. I also use Perfect. Shide. And we are also here with a very cheerful and opt- optimistic little ray of sunshine. Hi there, uh, my name's Rin and I use he, him pronouns. Perfect. And Rin, what do you want people to know about you? What do I want people to know about me? I, I guess I'm an optimistic ray of sunshine. That's what you there just you go, said. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, what do I want people to know about me? Um, uh, this is my passion. This is everything. This to me. Um, I, I, my family often jokes that I, I live and breathe sexual and gender diversity inclusion. Um, so I do it as part of my job. I'm a diversity consultant. I do it on a volunteer basis. I do a lot of work with the Empty Public Teachers Local, um, with the Diversity Equity Human Rights Committee, with the Teacher GSA. And this year, um, my big or big huge win um, was we got a whole bunch of the teacher GSAs together and we started a province-wide um, Alberta Teachers Association Gender and Sexuality Alliance. That's amazing. Um, so that was kind of our big win this year. And, you know, there's, <laughs> there was a lot of, of hard with COVID, but that was a silver lining that came out of COVID because we had these digital connections that could be so expansive. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that was, that was my big, my big win. And probably the first thing on my mind when you asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's a huge win. Absolutely. Yeah. We've met so many teachers that know about it, that are a part yeah. of it, that live and breathe it. So like you have, the impact has definitely been seen so far because we don't, we don't work with schools often, but yeah, when we do, everybody has raving <laughs> reviews. So great work. <laughs> and for people wondering what, how would you describe what you do as like a diversity consultant? Yeah, so I, um, Basically what I do is I support staff in the school board, that's teachers, administrators, support staff, librarians, uh, anybody who's looking for some support in um, establishing our safe, inclusive and welcoming schools. And so that looks like a lot of things. Um, I do consult, I guess that's the title. Um, uh, We do individual consultations um, and uh, we talk to people one-on-one about maybe things that are going on or students that came out or, you know, they need help setting up a GSA, that type of thing. Um, I have had the pleasure of going to a couple GSAs, though that has been limited uh, with the pandemic. Um, It's starting to open back up again, which is, of course, really exciting. Um, The other thing we do is uh, we do a lot of professional development. Um, And so, presenting to staff groups, various staff groups on inclusion strategies, on policy, on, um, you know, resources, mental health, all of those types of things to um, offer um, ways that they can be more involved in helping ensure that we have that uh, inclusion in, in all of our spaces. Fantastic. Yeah, we've had teachers ask, like, what do I do? What do I do? You hire Rin or a Rin. <laughs> <laughs> somebody in in a similar position for sure yeah 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 and like we've talked kind of a lot about what teachers can do um I guess what would be your advice for teachers who want to support their kids or for kids who want to start you know GSAs or QSAs or you know kind of want to be little activists I love little activists um 
ask, ask uh, for on both both ends, right? As a as a staff member, you can ask about what you can do to support. As a student, you can ask for what you want. Um, and with staff members, um, whether you're a teacher, whether you're an EA, whether you're a principal, whether you're a librarian, doesn't matter. You are an authority figure to students in that building. And you have the power. This is my sale pitch. I usually, my sales pitch, I usually give, right? Um, you, as an authority figure, have the ability to change the experience of a sexual and gender diverse kid by being an ally, by being supportive, by being an advocate, by being a voice for them, um, by being a safe space for them. You are changing their experience. You are making their experience positive, inclusive, and welcoming. Um, and everybody has the power to do that. Right, uh, especially if you're a staff member, um, and if you're a kid, yeah, ask, find that person, find that staff member, right? Find that staff member that is an ally. Um, and sometimes, you know, allies aren't very good at showing themselves, so sometimes you have to just um, go digging and get to know people. It's another really good one, right? And ask those questions and and say, you know, hey, I really like to have a GSA at the school. Great, and then that staff member can start it, can go to admin, can get it rolling. Um, in whatever capacity that looks like. My other piece of advice for both of those groups is know your policy. So every school board in Alberta has different policy um, and they all have different names, <laughs> which doesn't make them easy to find. But school policies are typically public documents and on school boards websites. So go to their website, find out if they have a sexual orientation, gender identity and expression policy. Um, see if they have a safe and welcoming caring schools policy, see if they have something um, and get a copy of it. And it sounds really boring, like really, like <laughs> that's, that's your tactic, Rin. but it is because if the school board has policy around um, safe, welcoming, inclusive uh, spaces or policy around GSAs, that type of thing, then you can use that, right? Like, hey, our school board policy says um, that if we ask for a GSA, that that we should get one, mm -hmm. right? And and that can be a part of that conversation. Um, and teachers too, right? Hey, this is what our policy is. So let's do it. Yeah, that's not boring at all. I mean, there's nothing more fun than somebody <laughs> pushing back and you just kind of sliding the policy in front of them be like, oh yeah? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I often have uh, a few of the other uh, teacher GSA leaders and chairs um, in, the, in the area um, a joke with me about that, that I'm like the policy guru, like uh, the second anything comes up, I'm like, what's your policy say? Um, <laughs> but really like you can use it as a, as a, a backbone, right? Mm -hmm. It is, it is what your, mm -hmm. what your, your school, your organization, like even when we talk about corporate organizations that have a, a diversity and equity inclusion, whatever, they all have different names. Mm -hmm. DEI, I think is usually what lots of the corporations call them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what does your policy say? Yeah. Are we upholding it? Who's enforcing it? Does it need to be updated? <laughs> you know, all those types of things, right? Like, um, and um, they're really great avenues to ensure that we really are establishing those spaces. And that's what they're there for. So why not take advantage of it, right? Like, that's, yeah, everybody thinks policy is boring, but when you use it to your advantage, it can be kind of satisfying. It is, yeah. It's boring to read, <laughs> right? Like that's the boring yeah. part of like highlighting it. Um, but, mm -hmm. but yeah, you gotta do it anyway. This is, this is how I know I'm a huge dork because I printed off a certain school board's like so many of their policies and have them all highlighted in my desk. Like 
I was like, I had a great day. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Not bored at all. (laughs) I'm also like really competitive. So I was like seeing it as like, I'm going to use this to win. But that proves that there's several people out there. Like there's several safe adults that kiddos can go to if they like, that are willing to kind of like help you through this thing and do the policy work. Like if you don't want to sit there and read pages of policy because it's hard to understand and I'm 30 and I don't get it. So I can't imagine being 12 and trying to understand it. Becca's got you. (laughs) Like Becca will read your policy. It's fine. (laughs) There we go. I'll be the St. Albert policy guru. Yeah. We and Rin can team There you up. go. Oh, like, I sound, that sounds like a great idea. We'll both show up with our tabs. I don't know about you, but I tab them, right? With the little like sticky tabs. Oh. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Rolling. yeah. I'm like, <laughs> some eye rolling. I see there. It's like looking in the mirror, hey, eh, Becca? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is why I was excited when Rin like said he wanted to come wow. on. Gosh. <laughs> And have you always been like this? Have you always been like super like into policy and advocating and like stuff like that? No. Um, I spent a a very large portion of my life in the closet um, and in the closet for myself. uh, And that's something that I have been fairly open about. Like I I was a person who took a long time to um, accept myself to myself um, before I could even remotely begin the process of, of telling other people or advocating for other people. Um, I, uh, I went to a school when I was in high school is one of the most like open and liberal. It was an arts programming school. Um, and so like, I was surrounded by it and I was still like my internalized homophobia and transphobia was so high. I was like, I cannot do this. Um, and so, you know, and the other thing is, um, I grew up in a more rural town in Alberta, um, and I never even heard the word transgender until I was in university. Um, and so I just, I didn't even have the language, you know, for, for it. Um, I'm also dating myself a little bit there, I think, but, um, but, um, you know, it wasn't until I was out Um, that I was really able to sort of look and at back and be like, you know, if I had had this education, if I had had representation, if I had had, you know, queer and trans characters in books and movies, I would have maybe seen myself earlier, I would have understood what I was feeling earlier, and I would have been able to start processing that a lot earlier (laughs) in my life. Um, And so I think I moved into this space of like, what I wanted um, and what I would have liked to have seen. Um, And the other thing I think that really impacted me was um, my students, right? Of like seeing students that needed somebody. And I, and I was like, well, I guess it's me, right? Like it's going to be me. Um, And I I got on that train and (laughs) I just kind of never got off. In fact, I think I'm you know, I'm, I'm paving, I'm paving new track, uh, in some areas or trying. Um, and, uh, of course that work is supported by the community. It's not just me. Um, it's not one, um, teacher. It's not one board. It's, it's the work of groups like out loud. It's the groups like, um, Altview and, and the pride center. And, you know, we're, we're doing this together because there is no way that we can do it uh, on our own. And I think, some of us are um, louder than others. You know, I think some of us have the ability or the charisma or the, 
the fire, I'll call it, um, to really be um, loud and forceful advocates. And some people do it in a much quieter way, but those quiet people are doing just as much and they are having just as much of it. The people who are sitting there reading policies, <laughs> right? Um, and highlighting policies and getting getting um, various corporations or organizations to follow their policies, you know, that is just as impactful, right? It is just as powerful. Mm. Um, and we're we're doing it together. It's a collective for sure. I don't know if that actually yeah, answered that... the question you asked me, but <laughs> I guess totally. that's where I went with it. <clears throat> Totally. Yeah. And that like internalized homophobia and transphobia is such a big thing. Like I hearing you say, like, if you'd seen yourself, you might've realized earlier, like, I feel the same way. I'm sure Kelsey, I see you nodding. <laughs> like that was major for me. I was always like, yeah, no, gay people are fine. I mean, I'm not, but <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And yet no one was surprised when I came out. So you know, that's, yeah. And they couldn't tell me. They didn't just say, hey, I think maybe. <laughs> Would have been so helpful. Yeah. It sounds <laughs> like we all have similar experiences in that coming out later in life and the, you know, home internalized homophobia and transphobia. I mean, gosh, I remember a, got a couple, just a few months ago, Becca and I were talking about gender and I would be like, well, you know, I'm gender fluid, but I'm not like up under the trans umbrella. Like, that's not me. And then, like, God, three weeks later, I'm like, Becca, I have to tell you I'm not binary. <laughs> and she's like, oh, uh, cool. like, but like, you know, it's like, it's so ingrained in you until all of a sudden it's mm. not. Um, and it's a lot of like unpacking. And like, it's wild to think that there are kiddos that are doing this at 10, at seven, at five, like they're unpacking these experiences that adults are having, you know, these like reactions mm -hmm. that adults are having and they need those safe people and those safe adults to do that with. Like we see so many kiddos that deal with this homophobia and transphobia that are not internalized, you know, they get it from their parents and then it kind of like, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's super impactful that we all get to do this together and like the group of kids that we work with, like, I think this is like the one thing that I like Becca and I talk about all the time. Like they are our serotonin, you know, like when you see those queer kids, like there's nothing better to a queer adult than a group of queer kids. <laughs> like, Because yeah, we see ourselves there. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I want to, I want to jump on what you said there about like the young kids um, going through this. And I attribute that to that forward movement, right? Like that, mm -hmm. that they do know, they do have the language, they can articulate it and it's received, yeah. right? And it's not just dismissed. Um, I've often argued that, that young kids, like three and four years old, have some of the sharpest understanding of societally imposed gender binaries uh, because of like the toy store and like the pink aisle and the blue aisle and like how early we dress little kids in dresses and tuxes and like they get it yeah. like they they see these two boxes mm -hmm. and they're like well I don't want either box or yeah. I want that box um and that our forward movement we have adults being like oh you want that box okay yeah this is what this is all yeah. right and 
And that didn't happen. Sounds like didn't happen for us. No. Right. That wasn't an mm-hmm. option. And so that's also heart heartwarming, right. To see. Um, but I completely agree. I've had the, the opportunity to go to a few GSAs um, in the recent um, um, weeks and uh, just watching those little ones run around. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> yeah. It's your, our little dose of serotonin all the time. Becca and I are like, Oh, like we, we always talk about how hard the kids have it, but then they're so happy, <laughs> like lovely. I know. Yeah. And they have their like flags as capes. Like we did the rainmaker parade a while ago. And I can't remember if I talked about this on here or not, but I like had a little moment partway through the parade of like, Oh my God, young Becca could never yeah like just looking around at these kids I'm like yeah we had a couple younger ones on the float and some teenagers running around handing out candy wearing like flag capes and everything and just having the time of their lives being like so joyful and out and yeah it was really incredible to and watch. it was so well received which was one thing that I was like that is n- that was never something that would have been well received in my when I was growing up like it just wouldn't have been I think like my partner was helping them, helping us rally them while they were handing out candy. And I think there were two people that wouldn't accept something from the kids. And that was it on the whole, per- like on the whole route, two people like, mm-hmm. and like, that's wild. Like times are a changing. <laughs> I remember the very first time I took a group to the Alberta GSA conference. Um, and that was a year that it was in Calgary. And we, so we drove down, you know, I don't know what, however early in the morning we had to drive down to be there for the start. And I, and I was, I was doing high school at that time. So I had like 16, 17, 18 year old kids with me, right? Yeah. Kids, they're adults yeah. by that point, basically. Right. Um, and <laughs> we got there and I remember watching my 16, 17, 18 year olds turn into like nine-year-olds like just that like happiness stuff that you're talking about like yeah. running around with their flags on or whatever and I I, mm-hmm. I literally watched I was standing in the lobby of the building that it was in and my students five or six of them running like little kids and then there was a group of kids that I didn't know that were from somewhere else in the province chasing them yeah right and then and, it, and then it was just like a cartoon Cause then I kind of looked away and I looked back and then the group of kids I didn't know was running and my group of kids was chasing them. And I'm like, you all just turned into these like happy, you know, like the child came back out. Right. Because of that safety and that positivity. And yeah, I completely agree. Kelsey. (laughs) That's so, yeah, that's so cute. Whenever we, that, and it happens all the time. We see that all the time when our group mixes with another group at events, especially and then, then it's like mm-hmm. this like really cute, like, you know, when a queer kid finds another queer kid, there's like this like unspoken thing that happens. And then they just like, yeah, it's, oh, it's amazing. It's the best. Instant BFS. Yeah. yeah. It's great seeing our kids like pick up other kids at, you know, pride festivals. Yeah. <laughs> or like when new kids show up at group, they're just like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And like literally drag them over to their friends. Be like, you're part of this group now. <laughs> Uh, collecting right it's like it's yeah. almost like um like trading cards right like yeah. collect them all yeah catch them all I guess that's Pokemon, Pokemon, yeah. It's Pokemon. Yeah. yeah right they want to keep yeah. them all in their safe little bubble they've like created this like little yeah. bubble and they're like oh you belong here come on <laughs> like 
and it works. Like it's so endearing. We get, it happens all the time. Like where we have kiddos that come in and they're like, mom or dad will be like, Oh, they won't speak. They won't have a conversation with anybody. And I'm like, give it three and a half minutes. <laughs> like, cause that's usually <laughs> all it takes. And then like, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. Yeah. People like, I, I try to explain it cause we do, you know, PD and stuff and people will like ask why it's so important. And it's like, you can give them stats and everything, but just trying to describe, like you see this weight lift off, you know, a kid's shoulders and they're coming all like hunched over and anxious and not making eye contact. And then all of a sudden they're like running around with their new best friends and like flirting with one of the other kids. And, like, yeah. It's yeah. It's amazing. You can't bottle that. It's like the o- oldest thing I think I've ever said in my life. But like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like you mentioned rural Alberta, you know, I got to ask, what was that like? Yeah. I mean, the, I'm not going to name the town, <laughs> but the town I grew up in, Fair. Um, the town I grew up in is a blue collar oil town, um, which might give it away, but um <laughs> And at the time was very small, um, again, dating myself. It's now quite a big city. Like it's, it's very large now. Um, and I, I did actually teach out there for a while, um, before I came out and I saw a shift in, from being a student to being a teacher. Um, and, uh, which was cool to see. Um, but I do also believe that that culture was very like, Cosmo, like in the high school I was teaching in and uh, didn't necessarily stretch to the, you know, the community of the city. In some ways it, it I would say has. Um, I also know that, you know, the city's holding pride events and stuff. So things are growing, things are changing. I, I'm positive, but I don't live there anymore. So I don't really have a sense of, of what it's like. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the time it wasn't good. (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't have a, you know, how was it? It wasn't good. I left, right? Like I, I chose, I chose to go, I chose to come into Edmonton for, for my high school experience. Of course, that was partly um, because of my parents chose to, to do that. Um, And I have never, you know, Um, once I was an adult and had income and got to choose where I wanted to live, I left, right? Like I didn't want to be there. Um, Mm -hmm. though I, I have hope that it is better than it was now. Um, but I think, and I think we see that a lot, right? Like rural areas anywhere, um, are more conservative and, and urban centers are a little more liberal or more knowledgeable or more informed, whatever you want to call that. Um, so you know, I probably wouldn't choose to go back. My, my family still lives there. My parents are still there. Um, so I still go out there <laughs> to visit them. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, it's yep. just kind of like, I, oh, no, totally. I, I want to distance myself. I don't, it's not something I want to be entrenched in. I think also like as somebody who has transitioned, like it's kind of a going backward, like going back to that space going back to that place is going back to a space that is, is in my past. Like that's kind of how Mm -hmm. I view it. Um, so it's a little uncomfortable. 
A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, it's been really exciting. Like this year, seeing some of these rural places having their first ever prides, like Laurenville and Sturgeon County just had theirs. And we were lucky enough to be invited to help out. And that was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, I think two weeks ago, we talked about a question um, from one of our kiddos and this just popped into my head. Um, And Kelsey and I tried to answer it, but I Mm -hmm. wanted to ask since you're on, um, one of our fairly young kiddos, I think they're like nine or so, um, was asking, how do I come out as trans? And I was wondering if you had any, I don't know, words of wisdom. <laughs> as a person who has been a teacher and, you know, um, really, really cares about kids. My first response to that type of a question always is, are you safe? And, mm-hmm. and that, you know, I think, um, you know, we want to be out. Of course we do. We want to be our authentic selves. We want to tell people, um, but your safety is the most important thing. And, and um, that's something that I encourage consideration on before you take that step. Um, for me, I came out later in life. So that wasn't a, con- like, I didn't have to worry about, you know, not being able to go home or, um, you know, having, things taken away from me or access denied to, to travel or, you know, communication devices or that type of thing. Um, but that is a consideration for lots of our, our trans and non-binary kids, uh, and youth. So I guess that's my first response, which isn't like <laughs> really answer your question, but to add, like for answering, like, was it like to come out as trans? I, I did it in stages, <laughs> um, partly out of like exploring myself and partly out of, um, like what I will call the tiered levels of societal pushback. So I came out first as being gay, um, because I had met my, my now wife, I was in love and I was like, I can't, I can't be in the closet anymore because this is my soulmate. Um, and I have to come out to be with this person. And so I did that and, um, I was like, okay, I guess I'm gay. Um, And then as I started to be in a space of freedom and authenticity, I was like, no, there's more here. Like, this is more about gender for me. Um, And so I sort of went to this, like, I'm non-binary. And and for me, that was like a stepping stone. That is not everybody's experience. Lots of people, you know, come out as non-binary. That's their soul and their authenticity. For me, it was kind of like a safe zone of being like, oh, look, I can kind of be still what people expect of me, you know, um, because I, I really did feel like I sort of like, I, I jumped the homophobia hurdle and then I was staring down the gender binary transphobia hurdle. And I was like, how can I go around this one instead of actually like climb over it? Um, but then of course it wasn't authentic. It wasn't who I was, you know, and I, and I did have to step over it. And, and I do believe that I sort of did that unconsciously because I do not profess to be that self-aware <laughs> that I, <laughs> that I, <laughs> you know, I kind of like had to like do it in stages. Um, and, and so coming out as trans was, was an extra step, you know, mm-hmm. in my experience, it was an extra step of, I have another societal barrier to overcome Um, And it is a societal barrier that is very, very visible in what I choose to do with my gender expression. 
um, because I have not um, pursued medical transition. Um, people who are not really aware of gender diversity look at me and they see, you know, a femme person in a suit. Um, so that makes me very, very visible as a trans person. Um, and so, you know, what many of our, and I'm sure both of you <laughs> experience like pronouns and, you know, ladies and these types mm -hmm. of phrases that get thrown at us all the time. Right. Um, so I think, um, coming out as trans, you're never really done. Like you're never really done coming out as trans. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're doing it every day and, and lots of, you know, our gay, lesbian, bisexual, pansexual brethren, um, you know, they face it in a different way. Like bring your, bring your husband to the party. Like, oh God, I have to have this conversation again. Yeah. Right. Like, um, but I do think that that gender expression piece is really, really visible and really in your face. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and access to, um, trans affirming healthcare is, zero to nothing right now yeah. like you know uh, especially mm -hmm. with funding and and alberta's uh, do we talk about that on this podcast albert i'll go for it <laughs> alberta's uh political situation yeah um you know and what had i know our gender clinic and and some of the other um um medical institutions around the city and their lack of funding um and even, you know, um, doctors like MDs that are trans affirming, like their wait lists are, you know, because that the second that piece of information yeah. gets out, well, you know, how many youth and, and young adults need care? Like, yeah, so, mm -hmm. that's, um, yeah, that's the most requested question we get is where do I go? Where do I go with my trans youth? It's like, <laughs> yeah. 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 right now you no, there's nowhere really like it's you get so yourself limited. on a list that's yeah. what you do right now like you have to yeah you have to get yourself on that list and 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 you know I wouldn't be surprised if people start going out of province mm -hmm. um out of country like it's gonna happen it yeah. already is happening mm -hmm. um we've because, had well we've had parents that have been like I put my kid on the list when they started to show interest in this kind of thing and it, I'm really really glad I did because and it's like because this is like life-saving care like yeah it is well and I'll tell you here I'll tell you a personal story when I first asked that question um of my MD I said you know I'm I'm thinking a lot about gender and I think I'd really like to get some information about gender transition um my MD was like, I don't know anything about that. Like said that straight with me straight in the eye and said that. And I was like, okay, can you find out? And like, these are the two places that I know of in Edmonton. Can you get, write me a referral? And then, um, I kid you not the next day I got a phone call from the clinic, like my, my MD's clinic. And they were like, can you come in right now? And I was like, okay like what's what's wrong and like they were really stressed like, they were like we need you to come in now and I was like okay so I did you know I I you know ended my day at work and I was like I'll come after work and I went in and this this MD came in and was like how are you and I was like fine what are you why am I here and it became as she spoke to me it became very clear to me that she had been looking up 
like the experience of trans people and found all the stats on mental health and like suicide ideation and self-harm and and was starting to ask me questions about like if I was okay and I was like this is your like you like we talk about like the base of knowledge like that was what she Mm -hmm. found when she looked it up right Mm -hmm. and then she became concerned that I was you know, not okay. And I was like, no, I have a support network. Like I'm, I'm married to, you know, a very supportive person and I have my own home and like, I'm okay. I just need you to make a referral. (laughs) But that, that told me like where the system is at, like in terms of educating frontline MDs. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh man. That is yeah. like, and that's like, that is the exact experience that we hear all the time is that it's either people, the MDs are either affirming, like you're either lucky and you get somebody that is willing to listen to you, or it's almost like they go to this like fear place. And like, it makes it super complicated for these kids and these families, because we get calls all the time about like how scary actually is this? Like, oh my gosh, what's actually going to happen? Cause this is how my doctor reacted. And it's like, that yeah. is not a call that we should ever get. Like, that's not, that is not like people should never feel the need to ask that of a nonprofit who just does like queer support services. You know what I mean? Like your doctor should be appropriately responding to these things. And if they don't have the information, they should be getting it. Like, yeah, yeah or they've Googled what can go wrong. I've gotten a couple of those calls. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the, the blessings and curses of the internet, right? Like you Google mm-hmm. transgender, well, you get tons of misinformation. You get tons of belief-based information um, that's not actually based in fact. Uh, and, and if that's how medical care is like you know that's not good right like we need we need improvements in that area and that's why you know non-for-profits like yours is so important and but you're right it's really not your position um but I'm glad that there's you know these organizations are out there and you they people you can give them correct information when you're talking to a person rather than a website right yeah 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 I somehow have become educated in trans healthcare, even though like I, like I'm a cis person, like I just have had to do all this and search through this stuff for these parents because they do, they won't just Google, you know, affirming healthcare. They'll Google what can go wrong yeah. with surgery. And sometimes all these they things. start like, in a good place. And then and like, just because of the internet, the way the internet yep. is set up, you you Google something and then your, your phone listens to you. I'm a big conspiracy theorist <laughs> just as a hobby. Um, and your phone's listening to you and your ads are all tailored. And then it's like these things like find you, right? This information finds you. And it's like we, Becca has, like Becca and I have done so much reading and because it's when you're not parenting a queer kid or a trans kid, it's a little bit easier to kind of like, sift through because it's you don't it's not that caregiver shock that fear that oh my gosh like the amount of calls we get being like I'm just scared for the future for my trans youth and it's like 
that is valid in a lot of ways, but they also the fact that you're scared means that they have a lot more than a lot of these kids too, right? And that's a mm-hmm. good start. Like we got a starting point and all we need with parents and other adults is a starting point, really. Like, mm-hmm. And the willingness to be open to it, yeah, right? Like I think that's a yeah. big one is um, when you, like you mentioned that like fear piece of like, oh, this is scary. So I'm just going to put a wall up and just mm-hmm. like deny denial, right? Like, you know, this isn't happening, you know, all the bits of phase and the, you know, those types of phrases yeah. is, is like, I'm scared. So I'm just not going to deal with this. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that when, when parents are seeking information, like that's a good sign, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking to learn. I'm looking to understand. I want to be there for my kid. We just have to make sure they're getting the right information. Yeah. 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 That, or it's like super heavy on like, I don't know, queer jargon almost. And they're like, I need you to trend. What does this mean? Yes. yes. Or the jokes, right? Like queer inside jokes. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> yes. Which also get lost in generational gaps, right? Of like, mm. um, oh, I never thought like, about that. Like I, I have like queer friends that are, you know, from the generation above me or 10 or 15 years older than me um, or more. And they'll make a joke. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and like, everybody's oh. laughing. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like I did. I am not because of that, that generational. And I'm a big, I, I talk about this a lot. I'm a really big advocate for intergenerational queer learning because being queer and trans or sexual and gender diverse period, um, we do our parents or our like family adults are not necessarily part of that community. And so those, I'll call them air quotes, cultural teachings, jokes, histories, mm-hmm. all of that, it's not passed down, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't, like when we talk about like culture, beautiful, wonderful cultures around the world, languages and histories and those things are passed down through generations, right? Between parent and child, of course, <clears throat> that comes into our indigenous communities and, mm-hmm. and then that was robbed of them in residential schooling. And that's why we have culture breaks and, and culture mm-hmm. like deficits, right? Um, with that passing mm-hmm. down, but our, our queer and trans youth, they don't necessarily even have one role model that's an adult that will grow up with them and teach them those histories. I certainly didn't have that, right? Um, yeah. And so where do I get all my jokes? I get my jokes from the internet, Yeah. right? And, and that's the younger <laughs> queer generation that are my students. Mm-hmm. And so, but I'm very disconnected from my queer elders. Mm-hmm. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think intergenerational friendships was like our second episode. So I love that you brought that That's up. awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Cause I'm yeah, a huge proponent of that. And yeah, like it goes both ways. Like I'll every once in a while I accidentally make like a queer inside joke around my mom and she'll just look super confused. Like we were talking, we were going to walk somewhere and we were talking about how long it would take. And I looked it up. I'm like, well, Google says, you know, half an hour. So really 20 minutes for a queer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, so queer speed, like 20 minutes. And she's like, what? what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and even things like um, icons that were around, mm-hmm. you know, or like mm-hmm. somebody will name drop. And I'm like, 
we have very different. Am I supposed to know who that's, am I supposed to know who that is? Yeah. You know, and even amongst the the queer community, but that generation difference, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I had somebody say to me, was he, it was a kid. I said, they didn't know the difference between, oh, now I'm not going to remember who it was. It was Lady Gaga and maybe it was Katy Perry or something like that. And I was like, who, how did you, we knew, okay, let's sit down. We're going to have a conversation, you know? Um, And like, but there again, nobody, you know, are they popular anymore amongst our queer youth? Well, it's probably, they're starting to go out, right? Like, um, but the same thing happens when older queer seniors will make a joke about something and I'm like, who? Yeah. Who's that? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Or like, yeah. Things that they experienced that we just have no context for whatsoever. Like we made a queer jeopardy game for our kids a while ago. And it was like, well, we would know the answer to this. And we're like, wait, will our kids know the answer to this? Like, will our kids know who this person is or will they know this? Like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And I think the other piece there is so much of queer history was lost in the seventies and Mm eighties through deaths from multiple for multiple reasons um and 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 drugs and and you know it it, that's 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 history we'll never get back Mm -hmm. and again and again i'm a big throw throwback you know our indigenous communities is the same thing like the amount of death that the community has experienced they've lost so much knowledge they've lost so much history Mm -hmm. um totally and it's it's not something you can gain back yeah yeah, absolutely. And like, I definitely feel that like, I, you know, have such like, you know, like a desire to learn more, but like, I haven't had the opportunity to really talk to like our queer elders really very much. Um, and I, so I definitely feel that kind of, you know, questioning and things, but like, I had a really interesting conversation with, um, with a friend of mine the other day and she asked, she was like, you know, you don't really see older people using, you know, different pronouns and things. And I was like, well, so on the one hand, it's more youth that use neo pronouns, but also, and then talked about, yeah, the seventies, eighties, nineties, like how we lost so many and like why you don't see a lot of older people at, you know, pride unless they've come out very recently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think they're, I actually think they're so adorable because the pronouns, the pronouns thing is like, you're like, what? Like, it's it's not, and, and, but they want to be respectful. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not a disrespect thing. Mm -hmm. It's literally just like, this isn't something they ever learned. Um, I don't know if the two of you heard about, oh yeah, we were at the event together, of course, um, with Martin (laughs) and Jeremy. Um, So I had the express pleasure of driving them to their next event. And um, Jeremy was saying to me, like, Rin, I'm really, really sorry. Like, they're older. They don't really get the pronouns thing. They're not very good at pronouns. Because, um, of course, they called me she. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, it's fine. Like, I understand. Um, and um, Martin's husband looked at Jeremy and was like, well, what do you mean? And Jeremy looked at him and goes, Rin's a dude. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and Martin's sitting beside me in the passenger seat. And again, like they're, they're trying so hard to be respectful, even though they don't understand. Right. Mm-hmm. He shrugs and he looks at me and goes, I like dudes. 
sweet and wonderful and you know like it's it's pure like it's 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 a a very very kind and pure um lack of knowledge do you know what I mean or like lack of understanding oh yeah 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 there are a few people more entertaining to talk to than elderly gay men (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah for sure yeah oh yeah they're very very fun um did you have anything else you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to or that we didn't ask you about? Oh, goodness. Putting you on the spot. Um, sexual and gender diverse teachers. <gasps> I, oh. This is, uh, again, one of my areas of passion and what I do mostly with the Edmonton Public Teachers Local and with provincial um, ATA DER. Um, I have a huge passion for sexual and gender diverse teachers and staff members, like whether that's supply staff, um, support staff, EAs, librarians, um, you are wonderful people if you're listening to this and you are changing lives, you're changing lives. Um, because I think, again, when we talk about that, like role modeling and that generational, you know, our youth seeing queer and trans teachers, queer and trans administrators, um, like, and, and whatever, however you identify, you are a frontier, right? Of like, I can be sexual gender diverse and successful, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I live an awesome life. I have a great job. Um, I establish safety in my school, you know, whatever that looks like. And, and I, again, I experienced that myself, like being the, the out teacher <laughs> at my school. Right. And, um, do I have enough time? Can I tell you a quick story about that? Oh, yeah, so my, co- Go for it. my coming out, I, so I came out to the staff first and it was all good. And it was actually like really sweet. They were really protective. Like it was, it was really nice. Um, I had a very positive experience, which I know is not everybody's experience, but for me, it was very positive. And then I approached my administrator and I said, I feel like I need to come out to the students because I want to be a positive role model in their eyes, but I'm nervous about like parent pushback. You know, if, if a parent calls the school and my, my principal was like, we have policy, we have human rights, let them like no big deal. Really? (laughs) My principal was very strong uh, and a very strong ally. And so if that ever happened, I never heard about it. Um, But what I did was I put a picture of my wife and I on my desk And I didn't actually like say anything. I just, I wanted that picture on my desk. Right. And it was so cute because it was on there for probably a week or two. And, um, I had, um, you know, even high school students when they're excited about something, they act like elementary students. Right. So there was like a group Mm -hmm. of them and they're all huddled together, like with their heads down, you know, and they're like looking at me and they're talking to each other. (laughs) And it was like, they voted and sent the bravest because one of the yeah. kids stands up and comes over to my desk and kids call me Lawrence with no honorific. And they go, Lawrence, who's that with you in the picture? And they give me this really like, like smile. Yeah. Right? The cheesy. And I, yeah. yeah. And I, and like, the, and they weren't intending it to be cheesy. They were trying yeah. very hard to smile at me. Yeah. And I said, that's my wife. And, and the student goes, Oh, that's nice. And then runs back to the group. Right? <laughs> And the huddle started again and I was like, you know, and then it kind of, it obviously it spread from there. Um, but I thought it was adorable. Yeah. It was just this like, 
you know, wanting to be supportive. How do we ask, but how do we not, you know? Yeah. Gonna, um, so anyway, um, oh, our, I love it. our sexual and gender diverse teachers are so important. Um, you are role models. You are changing the world. Um, you are setting the tone for normalizing our identities in schools and in our society um, because we are at all levels, right? K to 12. Um, my follow-up on that is going back to that safety piece, you have to be safe. So um, mm -hmm. if you don't feel like you can come out in your school, don't come out in your school. You being there, they know, they mm -hmm. know. It's no different than, you know, Becca at the beginning, you said like the two queer kids see each other and they just like, there's that, un, you know, the kids, the oh, kids yeah. know, they yeah. see you um, and that is good enough. Um, your safety is number one priority always. And uh, the kids know, they see you and you're doing it anyway, whether you're out or not. There you go. There's my, there's my final. And come to the teacher's GSA. We'd love to have you. Yes. Uh, I'm on, I'm on Instagram and I have an email address. <laughs> so, there we go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I'll throw it in the episode description so people can find it super easily. Awesome. Um, and with that very cute story, I want to talk queer joy. Queer joy. Okay. Yeah. So Kelsey, do you want to go first? I honestly, like my queer joy is just this conversation. It's been one of those friggin' days. So this like, just like pepped me right back up. We, I've been supporting mm -hmm. a youth that's struggling a lot. And sometimes it's hard on my heart. So this, it's one of those like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I'm not doing this alone. Like, I mean, I know I'm not doing this alone because I have mm -hmm. Becca, but like, it's just us. <laughs> it's a wider, more like, so yes, my queer joy is this. So this has just been wonderful. And thank you. I uh, sparked me right back up. There we go. Yeah. And now I'm realizing, I don't know that I explained queer joy to Rin when I invited you on here. I was denoting that it was like something happy that has happened recently or something that's given yeah. you joy. Yes. Um, well, it's pride, right? Like, I think there's a lot of, there there's a go. lot of yeah. joy going around. Um, I've been to several events. I've had the pleasure of being invited to several events. Um, I can't make them all, um, which is frustrating. Yeah. Um, but just that, that it's happening, right. That we have multiple organizations holding something, um, that we're seeing it everywhere. And I, and I think too, it's just like the level of, um, the level of happening, uh, since the pandemic, right? Like, of course, everything shut down and, and, um, but we're seeing it again and we see it in schools and mm -hmm. we're seeing it in organizations. I love this time of year because I can go around and selfie with all the pride flags that are all over various windows <laughs> and everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's probably mine. Oh, I love that. Perfect. And mine, I told Kelsey a little bit about it when I started reading it, but I've since finished it. Um, I read a book called The Iron Widow, which is like a mix of like historical fiction and sci-fi and oh my God, it's so good. And there's like a polyamorous little throuple as like the main characters. And it's like, if ancient China had like culturally relevant Jaegers from Pacific Rim to fight these like giant aliens, it's incredible. That's awesome. That does sound awesome. <laughs> and, yeah. And like, it's very like, on the one hand, it's very binary, like boys and girls, but it's very like pushes back 
against this whole idea that girls are like weaker or subservient. And it's very like, what the hell? No, I'm not doing that. Like, this is stupid. Why do people believe this? And like, it's, there's like a revenge fantasy portion of it. It's very cool. I loved it. That's awesome. I listened to the whole thing in like a day and a half, just like cleaned my whole house because I didn't want to stop listening. That's fantastic. Yeah. It do was you, so good. So that's mine. Do you take and give book recommendations? Is that a common thing on your... Sure. Yeah. I promote the heck out of this book. Um, it's called Born Both, An Intersex Life uh, by Hita Valoria. Um, and Ooh. if there's any teachers from the GSA listening, they're laughing right now because they've heard me talk about this book for a year. Um, but um, highly recommend. It's an autobiography, so it's not a fiction, um, but it is about oh. um, a person who um, is intersex and was one of the few intersex people um, that had uh, not been operated on as a baby. Um, and so has grown up um, with the, the natural intersex body um, that they were born with. And uh, it's got a lot about gender identity exploration in it as well. Um, there's high points, you'll, you'll laugh and you'll cry and it's wonderful. And as a trans person, this book, I, I kid you not, this book changed my life. So that's amazing. Um, I highly recommend. Check it out. Oh my God. Cause my to read list wasn't big Sorry, enough. Yeah. Red. Sorry. The other, <laughs> um, the other thing I'll say is it's only available in hardcover. So it's a bit, it's not cheap. That's <laughs> fair. I have it at the glass bookshop. Oh, I love They that. sponsor our library. There you go. They do. Plug. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Amazing. Well, now that you have two new book recommendations to read, uh, I expect a book report on my desk by next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Uh, Be kind to yourself and others. We love you. Happy Pride. And we will see you next week. Bye.